Welcome to the Let's Talk Energy podcast from EnergyNet. This series was recorded at the Africa Energy Forum 2023 in Nairobi, Kenya. Join us for this and other episodes as we talk to the industry players, stakeholders, and rising stars of Africa's energy sector. Welcome to the Yes Podcast. My name is Grace Nekesawa. So I've just had a conversation uh, with an incredible guest from Nigeria and we are continuing the conversation at the Yes Podcast. So welcome to the show today and I'd like to, inv- to invite our next guest to introduce herself. She's a lovely young lady who is going to tell us what she does and she's going to have an incredible conversation with me about renewable energy and what they're doing at their company to support countries shift to renewable energy. Lucy, welcome to the show. You look lovely. Thank you, Grace. Please do introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My name is Lucy Nyoike. I work with the Global Energy Alliance for People and Planet. Mm-hmm. I support our partnerships uh, portfolio for the Africa continent and also support our comms mm-hmm. uh, communications. Okay. And I'm based in Nairobi and I'm very happy to be here today. I am also excited that you're here today and I just want you to, you know, in the introduction stages, talk to us about your company, what you guys do, what you guys have done so that people can have a feel of who you are as an organization. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. So the Global Energy Alliance for People and Planet is an alliance of 19 partners Mm -hmm, and we came together at COP26 two years ago. Yeah, uh, and um, the reason we came together is because we realized we have three major challenges as a co- as our planet, mm-hmm. and the number one challenge is energy access. Okay. The second challenge is um, jobs and livelihoods, and the third challenge is carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. So the reason we came together is because data showed that three point six billion people across the world uh, live in energy poverty, mm-hmm. and we really needed to amass uh, our joint resources, come together and figure out how we can increase energy access to these people. Okay. And incidentally, mm-hmm. um, that 3.6, majority of those are in the low and middle-income countries. Okay. And yeah. that is basically Africa and Asia and part of Latin America, mm-hmm. which actually that shows the demographic of where we actually work. Okay. And um, at the same time, uh, we realized that out of the energy poverty, people have to figure out different ways to ensure that they have some level of energy that they can yeah. use in their homes. Mm. And majority of this energy is not clean uh, mm-hmm. and therefore contributing to carbon emissions that we are also trying to reduce to save our planet. Okay. So coming together um, gave us the opportunity to address this challenge, bringing um, about clean energy and mostly it's around um, uh, battery storage because for example, where the the majority of the population is at 3.6 billion in Africa, we have very good resources when it comes to renewable energy. Mm-hmm. And we can't do, we have been trying to connect to renewable or tap into renewable energy in different sectors, but that has not been possible. We still haven't gotten to 100% renewable yeah. because it's quite expensive yeah. and so on. So we come in with fast money in. Mm-hmm. Out of our 19 uh, partners, we bring the fast money in. Um, so that developers or governments can tap or bring out the actual potential of the African continent and the okay. same thing with 
Asia, the same thing with, with, with Latin America. So brought together by IKEA Foundation, Rockefeller wow. Foundation, and mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff Bezos Art Funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each of these people contributed to our first capital, um, about 500 million each. Yeah. So we, were, we, we started off two years ago with 1.5 billion uh, worth of capital, which we are working across um, low and middle income countries in Africa, Asia, mm-hmm. and Latin America to address those three challenges. Interesting. The company started two years ago yeah, and there's that massive growth. Yeah. Wow, you guys are doing amazing work. Thank you. There's an interesting term that I've heard from you, energy poverty. Yes. Just before we get into the questions, I don't know if you could elaborate more about that because I don't think people get understand there's actually anything such as energy poverty. They understand poverty in a, its common, you know, yeah, but what what exactly is energy poverty? Because it seems like it's something that your company is intentional on trying to solve. Yeah. Yeah. So to us, mm-hmm. energy poverty is basically um, a lack of access okay. to electricity, mm-hmm. a lack of um, sustainable energy for okay. a country, for example. Mm-hmm. And then also lack of, what I would say, ways to improve your livelihoods because there is no opportunity for you to build up on what Mm -hmm. you're already doing because you don't have most of the time let me take this back most of the times we consider energy as just electricity yeah yeah Uh, but from where we see it energy is not just electricity Mm -hmm. we have electricity is just one form of energy Mm -hmm. we have other forms of energy like um batteries Mm-hmm. We have other forms of energy like uh, um, solar powered or wind uh-huh. or renewable. There is diesel powered generators and all those. Okay. And our specific focus is really renewable energy and try and break or mm-hmm. bring the energy poor country or energy poor pers- persons okay. on the continent, improve mm-hmm. their livelihoods. And if you do not have... Um, electricity stroke energy that you can use to improve your livelihoods there is no much potential for you um, yeah, that's true. As, yeah. as, as, as a person mm. because if we were to come really closer home mm. and take examples of certain towns in Kenya for example mm. we have places where about 10 years ago when we were doing our last mile project there was nothing there was no towns there was no um, any kind of economic activity happening yeah. in the area. And when we were doing our last mile connectivity programs, all of a sudden, um, towns screwed up, uh, people, livelihoods, you could see town centers yeah. becoming better, homes hmm. uh, getting like more permanent housing, mm-hmm. uh, children, more children going to school, uh, improved grades in classes and so on. So we... As as, as, uh, Global Energy Alliance, what we're trying to do is ensure that there's just Mm -hmm. just, uh, an equitable distribution of energy across the world. And our target is really renewable energy Mm -hmm. because we realize there's so much potential. And on the the other side, we need to save the planet from the carbon emissions that are coming from the diesel generators, from the coal plants and so on. But it's going to take us a process. And that's a process we're trying to work on. Work on with governments, work on with different populations, different uh, stakeholders, and ensure that by 2030, 
we are talking of specific numbers of people whose lives have been improved mm-hmm. because they are no longer energy poor. That means they now have um, access to electricity, mm-hmm. which is the most common term that we can use to get to an understanding yeah. of energy, energy poverty versus energy rich. Ah, yes. okay, okay. I mean, it, it tells you the importance of energy. And I don't think a lot of us have that grasp that energy really, it powers a lot of, you know, the economic activity. Uh, mm-hmm. activity. Like you said, towns have cropped up because of, you know, the work that you have done. Yeah. So you guys are doing great work. Thank you. Um, I just want us to go into now the different activities that you've been doing. Yeah. Um, you've talked to us about what you do, uh, what the organization does. Uh, what challenges you're trying to address. Um, you've also talked about the territories that are important to you. You've talked about the low and middle income countries, so the developing countries, and why it's important that residents and citizens of these countries access energy. And you've even beautifully talked about um, how towns have cropped up, economic activities is seen and all that. So let's talk about the projects that you're most excited about. Yeah. yeah. What projects? I mean, you could, you could even share with us past projects that you have done mm-hmm. and projects that you are most excited about. Thank you. Um, before I get to the projects, mm. our structure is very unique mm. uh, in, in, in terms of the countries that we work in. Okay. Um, so globally, again, we are working in the low and middle income countries okay. uh, spread across Africa, Asia, and Latin America. And how our way of working is, is, is unique in terms of we just don't go and develop a power plant mm. or set up a solar farm. Okay. How we do that is work with government because most of the time when you are talking about energy poor, you can, I cannot come and fix your house and say now you are good to go. Yeah. There are things that need to be done to mm. ensure that we are not just fixing for one, we are fixing for men. Yeah. We are talking of 3.5 billion people that hopefully mm. by the end of 2050 or something we'll be talking about progress yeah. of reducing this number from 3.5 to perhaps 1 billion because the 2.6 will have already been electrified or energized in one yeah. way or another mm. so we work with um, governments to deliver effectiveness when it comes to renewable energy reforms um, you'll find some countries have adopted um, renewable energy and therefore they have laws and regulations that support that and mm-hmm. calling investors or attract investors for that. The other way is deploying our risk capital. I mentioned about $1.5 billion that we started with. Yeah. You'd find the end, the sector is very risky for a lot mm-hmm. of investors because mm-hmm. um, by the time a project is bringing on returns, yeah. it costs the developer so much. Mm-hmm. So we try and support the developer to okay. try and bring in the first money in, and our first money in is mostly on pilot work. Uh-huh. So we'll pilot, say, for example, take a country like Nigeria, pilot a specific project of powering homes using um, a solar farm. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it commercially viable? And once we prove the concept, it becomes easy for the different investment partners that we have. I mentioned we have 19. Yeah. It becomes easy for them to loop in and come and plug and play. Because okay. we've proved the concept, we have the policies in place, we have people ready in terms of the productive use. Mm-hmm. So they not just install uh, power, uh, power plants, there are people ready to connect and the investor can get their money back out okay. of the charges they will charge for the electricity. The other thing is uh, we, will, we bring in, we work purposely with global uh, companies or leaders to ensure different 
norms or change the cultural norms. Right now, you notice everyone is talking about climate change. Yeah. Um, what we also are not acknowledging on the other side is we have caused it ourselves. We yes. have. We have. <laughs> As humans, mm. we are messing our planet, but we also have the opportunity to change it and yes. reclaim it. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, is working with global leaders to change the narrative and say, hey, we don't have to continue with our diesel plants. We can do even a cheaper option, which is say a solar-powered plant, and be able to still do what you've been doing with the diesel, and at the same time, you're not messing up the, 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 the uh, environment. Mm -hmm. So going to what I'm really excited about uh, at the moment, and based on how we work, is, for example, again, I'm going to pick on Nigeria, which is one of the countries we are working in. Okay. We've realized um, in the course of doing our work, the technology is available for renewable energy. Mm -hmm. And at that point, making renewable energy very cheap. We also realize, I'm based in Africa, so I'm going to talk more about Africa. Okay. We also realize that Africa has over 40% potential when it comes to renewable energy. So we have very good hydro, we have very good solar actually throughout the year, and we can we have very good wind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we can tap into all this uh, by building solar farms, building yes. hydro plants, and mm -hmm. so on. And to be able to do this, Again, specifically on Nigeria, mm -hmm. we realized that the cost of developing renewable energy in Nigeria is seven times higher mm -hmm. than other countries. Oh, really? Um, compared, compared to, say, U.S. or Ghana, which is yeah. a neighboring country. Why? Because of their local currency oh, um, challenge okay. with Forex. You'll okay. realize that when you want to do something on the African continent, we don't have the ready-made resources to build up something. So we have to import them. Yeah. So if I import as an individual developer, it's going to cost me 10 or 7 times higher than yeah. somebody who has already the resources in place, like USA already has that, China already has that. So to help Nigeria, which is one of the countries we're doing, we came up with a program we call the Demand Aggregation for Renewable Technologies. Okay. And in short, is that. Mm -hmm. So what this program is all about is we pull in several... Um, procurements from uh -huh. several developers okay. and then we place it as one procurement. Mm -hmm. what we did that as a pilot um, about a year ago mm -hmm. and what we noticed by the time the delivery of the parts for the solar farm were delivered in Nigeria we had saved over the, the procurement was three million dollars mm -hmm. and we had saved over 750k if each of the developers were to procure by themselves. Okay. So we have now kind of proved the concept that when you do aggregated procurement, you end yeah. up saving. It's what we call here, um, again, coming back home, when you shop in bulk, yeah. you save. You save a lot. When you shop in um, small batches, yeah. you end up paying more paying for something more. that if you procured in bulk, you'd have saved um, some few monies here and there and put that money into something else. So that has worked for us in Nigeria. We've saved um, 750K US dollars mm -hmm. in our first batch of procurement. Okay. And with that, as I mentioned, we put in the first money in. We test the concept. And now that we've tested the concept and it's working, mm -hmm. we are also working in Ethiopia and we want to deploy that for Ethiopia. We okay. have a program we are calling DREAM. So it is for distributed renewable aggregated modalities for agriculture. So what Dream is doing is bringing over two, 200 million, 200 farmers, 200,000 farmers to do um, 
energized agriculture. So again, we need to source for the paths, we need to source uh, for the irrigation pumps and so on. But instead of allowing each farmer to source for themselves, we want to bring the tested model out of Nigeria to Ethiopia and see, and we're sure we're going to save lots of money that we could put in into the ecosystem and have the farmers do something else with, with that mm. money. So that is one of the things I'm very much excited about of what we're doing, saving money yeah. to be able to bring more on the continent and do more mm-hmm. with the resources that we have. Yeah. So if we can pull together and save, yeah. why not do it? I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. The mm. other thing that I'm excited about is, like I mentioned, we have very high potential when it comes to renewable energy. And the potential I want to talk about is solar. So we have lots of solar potential, but our biggest challenge is storage for for solar. Uh What we know as a continent is plug and play. Whatever you have in your battery, just connect and use that power. But we could do more if we're able to tap and save Mm -hmm. this solar energy. So we are testing about that in Malawi. And we want to procure um, 20 megawatts of battery storage and see how that connects to the grid. The grid is already live. The okay. solar plants are already live. So we want to test with a real-life utility project. We are working with ESCOM Malawi. Mm-hmm. And once we are out of this, we've invested over $27 million US dollars to this, and see, is it something that we can also uh, deploy okay. in maybe Sahel, mm-hmm. which has so much solar potential? Yeah. Is it something that we can also deploy in other ways um, to ensure that we are sustainable when it comes to energy we are energy secure okay. because just having the plug and play is not enough for us today you'll have solar tomorrow you will not yeah uh, the other day the grid our hydro could be low and then we end up using solar but we didn't manage to save it when it was um very strong so yeah can we use uh battery energy storage which we are calling internally as this so the two things I'm super excited about for our and continent. And they sound so exciting. Yeah. And just hearing you talk, it shows how much you're big on coming together. So that's the partnership. Yeah. I mean, your organization was founded on a partnership. Yes. And the projects that you're doing, even to save the money, is because of people are coming together. together. Yeah. And that's partnerships. Yes. You know, that really connects, even with the Sustainable Development Goals, your organization is handling poverty, mm-hmm. it's handling climate change, it's now handling partnership, it's handling innovation, and so tackling several of the Sustainable Development Goals. So, great job. Great job you're doing. I am excited to see how these projects will go, and I, I wish you all the best. Thank I you. I really much. wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you. Now, you're a lady, mm-hmm. a beautiful lady. <laughs> yeah. And I want us to now talk about your role as a young woman in the energy sector. Uh, I mean, we have come from far in mm-hmm. the development world, in politics, yeah. in career as women. There, there, there has been a challenge until now. There's still that cha- challenge. There's still mm-hmm. that gap. So how has it been as a young woman in the energy sector? And what do you think about, what are your views on equality and young women or women in general tackling the energy sector? Well, um, women and equality. Yeah. From our cultural backgrounds, it's tough, I would say. Um, It is. A lot of things culturally have a bias Mm -hmm. against the women. Uh, but I would say we are working on it. We have made big strides, but I don't think we are there yet. One thing I would say, because of our deep-rooted cultural beliefs, 
that has assigned a role to the woman, which yeah. is mostly <laughs> you to know, take care of makeup. households, mm. uh, take care of children, and all those kind of things. Yeah, it it that cultural setting from when we are growing up kind of limits our us as women uh-huh. to what our potential really is. Mm. But as you grow, as you have these different platforms, as you connect with other women who've done it in the space, you realize you're not limited in any way. But as much as you realize that, that I usually say is face value. Yeah. It's really face value. It is. Yeah, I would say, oh, I'm not limited. Yeah. But then when I go back to my house, <laughs> things are different. <laughs> I still have to be a mother, you I still have, have to do to those be. things, mm. which likely my partner doesn't, will not be thinking about those things in the same context that I'm thinking of them. But the good thing I also see is that cultural um, setback mm-hmm. has also put women who've managed to get into the energy space or any leadership space in a very good platform okay. because we are able to multitask. We are able to bring different perspective, perspectives on the table. We are able to... Um, collaborate with yes. more we are we are able to bring more people on the table collaborate because yeah. if you're a mother of two you obviously know how to balance between your kids and you also have a partner in that in yeah. that case and mm-hmm. you're trying to make everybody happy so it's it's been a journey we still have a lot more to do but what i would say is for women who really want to get into the energy space there is so much room for everybody and for corporates <laughs> like my own company there, there is need for realization that when you have women in leadership, when you have women in this space, you're bringing a certain level of balance yes. that is not there when you just have um, a one gender. Let me mm. call it a one gender exactly. <laughs> uh, dominated space. Yeah. When you mix the two genders up, I'm now talking of two genders because I have siblings who are all brothers. Yeah. And it, it, they already have an upper hand when it comes yeah. to the energy space because it, it is very masculine in terms of the work that's needed. Um, in terms of how it was structured when the energy space started. But right now, when companies like mine, where we have actually a lot of women, Mm -hmm. men, (laughs) uh, when companies realize that when you have women in spaces like these, you're able to to bring in different perspectives, there's more innovation Mm -hmm. because we'll bring in an idea here, bring in an idea there, and we're able to consolidate all these ideas into one and make it um, something very wholesome. We are also, um, by nature, we bring forth we to do. life we do. lots of other things. Yeah. So by having women in a group, or yeah. by having women in the energy space, lots of these tech and innovation, we're able to connect this to the human side of it. Yes. Because at the end of the day, there are people who will be affected by uh, availability of energy or lack of it thereof. So when, we, when, I, when I go to a country like Burundi, which is the countries we are working in, and see lots of women having to do chores that they wouldn't have to do either with energy in Burundi, yeah. um, like girl children going to fetch firewood instead of going to school, and they wouldn't have to do that, mm. I am more encouraged to push for balance, a certain level of balance, and not just a certain level. We need to get to a level of balance to ensure that we are looking at different perspectives. There is... The technology side of it and yes. the technical side of it, but there's a human side of it, which yes. I love when you have women and they bring the human side of it. And I believe as much as it's, it's, it's still a challenge, we have the opportunity to, to create a balance and reskill. Number one, I would refer to the IRENA World's Energy Transition Outlook of 2022, mm-hmm. which reported that by 2030, there'll be about 
139 million jobs uh, in this sector, the okay. energy sector worldwide. And out of those jobs, uh, 38.2 million will be in renewable energy, for example. So my company and others that are in the renewable energy space have an opportunity to ensure that by 2030, mm -hmm. we have created a balance by pulling in more women, whether they're going to be in campus right now or they're already in the space, and reskill them or upskill them so yes. that by the time, as the jobs open up, mm -hmm. we are creating a balance. As the jobs um, make themselves available, we are getting more space for women without looking at a woman as a woman, but looking as a woman as somebody who's equally skilled exactly. because the company has gone out of its way to ensure that the women are um, either skilled or upskilled because you'll mm. find uh, in most companies the women are doing the more service-kind-like service, service kind -like jobs. Yes. So let a company like mine take me, for example, and put a helmet on me, take me to the field and tell me this is how to do this or take me for training so that when an opening presents itself, yeah. For say operation and maintenance of a power plant in Uganda. Yes. Why not send me? Yeah. Yeah. And then while at that, what I would say is for my company specifically, Global Energy Alliance of Twin Planet, we are so committed on gender equality. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, we have actually on in our Africa team, we have more women than men. Which sorry to the men, but <laughs> <laughs> it is very motivating to see that. Um, in countries like Sierra Leone, which is also yeah. one of the countries we're working with, we have designed a program that's specifically for women. Uh -huh. Women, uh, it's called Solar Harness uh, Entrepreneurship, only focuses on women because Sierra Leone has, has a history, um, which gladly, and we are very happy that they are getting away from that history, but incidentally, we ended up with more women doing or trying to make livelihoods for their families, which was very tough, going to the farm, doing all these mm -hmm. things. But when we bring energy to them, um, they're able to deliver a lot of things more faster. Okay. Um, they're able to bring in more resources for their families. Like, for example, one lady in Sierra Leone, well, I was talking to her like two months ago when I was there. She's like, she's very happy with the program because with the fridge that uh -huh. we got her, which is solar-powered fridge mm. out of our solar farm that we've also uh, resourced, she's able to sell uh, cold water. Sierra Leone is a coastal town, so it's yeah. very hot. Mm. <laughs> so she's able to sell cold water, which was something that she couldn't do that before. Yeah. She's able to sell refrigerated stuff. So that means before and after, she's able to make more sales. Okay. She's making more money. Mm. Uh, and replicating that, we are so gender-centered and where there is an imbalance, we do our best to create the balance. For Sierra Leone, for example, there is need for a balance to ensure that these women who are, are widowed out of the war, they are able to still take care of their families and, okay. and make um, livelihoods. And ours, for each project, the reason I'm saying we are very intentional, for each project that mm -hmm. we are supporting across the seven different countries and other, like, we are actually working in 13 countries, but with seven key focus countries, ensure that each project has 50% of the beneficiaries okay. being women. Okay. So we're like, let's do whatever it takes, mm -hmm. whatever is needed to ensure that women have equal opportunities as men. When I talk to of uh, upcoming towns, let's ensure that women also can be part of that upcoming town. They are also able to open up businesses as men open. Okay. Because you notice, again, because of our cultural setbacks, yeah. men pounce on opportunities 
faster because nothing is holding them back. But we are intentional to ensure as men pounce on it, we have women ready to do so by going ahead of time. Having somebody who is skilled to talk to the women, coach them, uh, help them write business proposals, and then um, walk with them all the way to the bank, for example, and make sure they are supported to have the resources and the financing to open businesses so that as men get their money because it's not very difficult for men to get money. <laughs> Women also are are in the line, are on the table to receive mm-hmm. the same funding that a man will receive from the bank. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Those are absolutely beautiful sentiments you've shared there. And I love how intentional your company is on upscaling women. I've had you talk a lot about upscaling women, about giving them the opportunities and letting them know that their humane side is actually important. And it's a value add. Absolutely. It's a value add, right? Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. I see we are running out of time. (laughs) We are actually, yeah. So I just want you to give us a brief advice. Any advice you'd give to young people? Mm -hmm. Very short and brief. Any young, any young person. Uh, I mean, just yeah. any advice you'd give to them. <laughs> oh wow! I would give them advice based on my experience so far, mm-hmm. and I would say, as a young person, please take the risk. Like, mm-hmm. take the Love risk. That. Go that. out there. Leave your comfort zone. We are too comfortable waiting for our godfathers and godmothers to help us in this yeah. journey. We need to get out of our comfort zone. Take when when you get the, that opportunity, for example, your godfather has helped you. Yeah. Please push yourself to do more. Just don't do what you've been asked to do. Yes. Show your employer or the person who's taken a risk on you because mm-hmm. you took the risk that they they were right when they chose to take the yes. risk on you. Do more. Be open to mentorship because mm-hmm. I would say we are too we are too educated. <laughs> Because we have found ourselves in the era where we have all these different platforms where you can learn quickly, you can figure, I can actually try to figure you out before exactly, I come for the meeting through yeah. maybe technology and so on. But there is a human nature yes. when it comes to growth. Yes. And that human nature is mentorship. Somebody who's gone ahead of you, who's been in the space longer, somebody who's done it in the space. Take time, seek mentorship, be ready to listen. And then the other thing I would say is um, partner and collaborate more. Mm-hmm. this space I don't think there is anywhere we will go as long as we are humans that we will be able to tackle and deliver on if we don't partner and if we don't collaborate Yeah, which is something I think even the, the development goals appreciate that exactly, we actually do. have an SDG on partnering yes. to deliver on what we have committed to do so mm. so let's let's collaborate more and then this I would say is of my experience as Kenyan <laughs> Maybe others have a different experience. But let's acknowledge that it's a process. It is. It's a process. It's yes. not an overnight thing. You can't just sleep and wake up and become, boom, the person you've always wanted to be. It takes a journey. It takes um, risk. You will do missteps. You will learn from them. You will move. But it's a journey. Be ready to take the journey. Like I said earlier, take the risks, bounce on it, and acknowledge and know at the back of your mind, you started the journey and yeah. you're in it for the long haul. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Lucy. There you have it, guys. I mean, 
take the risk as Lucy has said take the risk be ready to have your voice heard and if somebody has really taken a risk on you i think you should show that it is it i was mean worth it. exactly <laughs> yes. it was worth it so yeah. thank you so much Lucy thank you. i have loved this conversation i love how passionate you are about what you're doing and one thing that i'm taking home is the importance of partnerships because yes. even of how your organization started mm-hmm. It was not just one person deciding to walk alone, right? Yeah. And and as you've had guys, it wasn't just one person. Yeah. So as it's the power of many. Exactly. Bring all your resources together. Let's yes. do this together. Uh, for the betterment of our people Absolutely. and our planet. So Absolutely. That's the only way to do it. Thank you so much, Lucy. Thank there you. you have it, guys. We've had an excellent, absolutely wonderful show. So thank you so much and see you in the next episode. Thank you. Welcome to the Let's Talk Energy podcast from EnergyNet. This series was recorded at the Africa Energy Forum 2023 in Nairobi, Kenya. Join us for this and other episodes as we talk to the industry players, stakeholders, and rising stars of Africa's energy sector.